You are now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for listening in once again. I am Marty Payton, pastor here at Charity, and I am beyond excited about the guests that I have on today because this boy, this man, this um, preacher, pastor, children's director, Jacob Sevis, did such a wonderful job of bringing the word Sunday morning. Welcome, Jacob. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be on the podcast. Fine, let's go. It's exciting. <laughs> Man, you did so good. I, I was, I know I'm not your dad, but I've watched you grow up in this church for the last 18 years. And just to sit there under your teaching was, it was just a surreal experience for me. Man. It was just phenomenal. I'm glad you feel that way. I was <laughs> nervous and worried, but I'm, 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 thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I think you know, I was getting texts after church, and I'm sure you got a million and one, um, but I was getting them after church. Uh, one in particular, Taylor Carter, sent me a message. He said, Marty, I'm crying so much right now just to see these students that come up through our student ministry and our kids' ministry and how God is using them. And Jacob, the message you gave Sunday was so timely and just so pertinent to our lifestyles and yeah. where we are. Yeah, thank you. I yeah, Taylor texted me as well, and I was telling her, man, it's because of people like her in my life, awesome leaders, godly leaders that were there for me and poured into my life that I think that God has used and brought me to where I am today, and it's because of them, and so I'm thankful for people like her and uh, just the encouragement she's been, so yeah. What do you think it was, where was it along, along in your life that you felt like something, a switch flipped in your life that you just became hungry for the Word of God like you are right now? That's a great question. I think... Um, Really, um, sophomore year of high school is when it uh, really flipped for me. I remember growing up, and it kind of ties into the message, really. I uh, I think I had a very legalistic view of my salvation. I think I was very religious in the sense of I would sin and fall short, and I would just think that, man, God was, he despised me, and he was angry at me, and I couldn't come back to him. And I had this very works-based mindset. And it wasn't until my sophomore year of high school that I began to kind of dive deeper in. And it started off late nights laying in bed where I'm just feeling the guilt of my sin and just feeling low, knowing that I was saved at the age of seven. God saved me then, and I really believe it was then. But I think I didn't fully understand a lot more till later on. So I guess you could argue maybe it was high school as well. But Mm -hmm. I think um, when I was late night laying in bed, searching up things on the internet was the first thing I knew to go to. Not even the Bible, which I should have went to the Bible first, but my mind was thinking, let me see if somebody who's smarter than me can help me from the Bible. Yeah. And so I remember going to this uh, one website from this one um, pastor and writer, and he was just writing about the the gift of salvation through Christ and how Christ has paid it all for us and how we get to rest in him and how we're resting and we're working from a place of rest already, not to earn our salvation, but because we have it. And it it's something as simple, and it is the true gospel, right? Yeah. Scripture tells us that clearly, but for some reason, it never f- fully clicked that way. And when I realized that, it was like, holy smokes, my life changed because I'm like, this is incredible. You can't, when you see it for what it truly is, the yeah. gospel is amazing. It's the best message in the world. And so I think for me, that was high school whenever that that changed. That and I, You said something in there. You you know, you grew up in church. I've watched you grow up. I know yeah. your dad and your family well, and, yeah. and I know that you weren't being taught a works-based salvation by no. any means. It's just something inside us, and I don't say enemy attacking us or it's our own guilt or whatever, that we feel like it's a performance-based 
grace thing that we've got to do good and 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 perform so that God will clap for us and and uh, and accept us into mm-hmm. all of that. And so, um, you know, it, it's it's when that word of God comes alive that it, it it's just been such a refreshing thing to watch that take place in your life. And I yeah. love the discussions we have around the office around theology. Yeah. And man, it's just nice to have have the hunger uh, in some of you guys that are just really, really digging into the Word of God. And it was very obvious um, Sunday that you had spent some time with the Lord. And well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad. I mean, I was super excited too, and I love getting ready to preach. There's nothing like just getting the time to study and to soak in and then try to write it out and to revise and to make it clear. But just time getting to study and soak up God's Word is, is one of my favorite things. So I, I loved it. It was such a joy. Yeah, well, let's let's jump back into the message. It was so good, and uh, the title of it was uh, "Rest for Your Soul." Rest for your soul, and uh, you came up with um, three points out of Matthew chapter eleven, verses twenty-eight through thirty. You want to just quickly review those, and we'll talk through some of it. Yeah, first one was uh, "Come to Him." So Christ tells us to come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Second point was uh, take His yoke. So He tells us to take on His yoke. And the third point was to learn from him. So I kind of just pulled it from those three things that he tells us to do, and um, we kind of broke it down from there. Yeah. And Jesus was um, a great teacher. Mm, the best. <laughs> the best there was. Man, his his use of illustrations, his use of object lessons, you know, when he would just point out to the sheep and use that as a, an object lesson as they're walking down the road or... Mm. Um, you know, uh, healing someone, which miraculous healings and things like that, that he would just use in those moments to teach his disciples. But he was their, he was their rabbi. Mm. And, and these 12 men, at least, you know, the ones he called to be his disciples, but others we know began to follow him as well. And, and they learned from him. And so when he says to take my yoke upon you, and I loved how you illustrated that you showed actually two oxen yoked together. And, mm-hmm. and just as a review, uh, tell us a little bit about that. One was, you know. Yeah. So there was the one that had already been trained on the yoke. So we'd, I'd say the wiser, the stronger, the learned, the trained. And then we'd have the one next to it that was the young, the weak, the one in training, the one learning. And I forgot to mention this on Sunday, which I think was important. And my dad and I talked about it later on, but how the wiser of a stronger one in the yoke was always bearing the most of the load. Yeah. And my dad and I were using examples of, you know, when you're carrying a piece of furniture and there's somebody who's way stronger than you, you help them out, right? But you're not carrying the heaviest part of a load. Right. You're doing something, right? But ultimately they're carrying the heaviest part of a load. And I think that picture of the yoke is definitely where Christ obviously has bared the majority, the heaviest, the main load, and he invites us to come in and take the the burden that is light and the yoke that is easy. Um, he tells us to come in and do that. And so, yeah, he is the wiser, the greater, the stronger, the perfect in the yoke, carrying the majority of the load. And we get to come in and uh, take the easy part of a job, but learn from him and enjoy that and joyfully walk in that. Yeah. And the, uh, you know, Jesus being a rabbi or a teacher of, you know, in my studies along the way, I I learned that one of the greatest compliments a learner could ever hear was, may the dust of your rabbi be upon you. Hmm. Meaning that may you follow so closely to your teacher that his dust from the road would be all over 
you. Yeah. And that's kind of the same thing. You know, Jesus walking along the road with these disciples, there's a yoking up totally. together. But anytime something came up, Jesus was bearing the heaviest part of that load. And uh, but he did bring the disciples along in the process to teach them, and so mm-hmm. I, I love that. I love that Jesus is a stronger, the wiser, and the load bearer. That's is right. What I put down in my notes from what you had said. That's it, man. Very it's good perfect. stuff. But I want us to just spend some time today uh, on your last point, okay. that I thought was so practical. Not that all of it wasn't practical, but just just this idea of Jesus being the teacher, being the rabbi mm-hmm. for us. And he said, what was your final point? Learn from him. Learn from him. Yeah, learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart. And I know you only had about 30 minutes Sunday morning, <laughs> um, but my goodness, the things that we can learn from Jesus. Mm. You know, there's we've got 66 books in the Bible um, written over the course of 1500 years, mm. but I'm telling you something, my hunger for the gospels is just where I spend most of my time. Oh yeah. You know, I oh, love yeah. the gospels. And the reason I love the gospels is I love to see the way that Jesus interacted with people. Mm. I'm intrigued by the way he interacted with the religious crowd <laughs> and I'm moved by the way he interacted with the non-religious crowds. Yeah. Yeah, the outsiders, those right. who were what we would consider unchurched folks, mm-hmm. and um, so as we're just thinking about that, you know, you said something uh, from the scripture that Jesus was two things. What were they? Gentle and lowly in heart. Gentle and lowly in heart. Mm. And how did you how did you explain those two things? Yeah, I was looking at you know just how it tells us he's gentle and lowly in heart, and I was trying to describe what he's not. I said I wrote down he's not aggressive and proud, angry and upset. He's not ashamed and fed up, and he's gentle and lowly. And then I was looking at also where Paul writes about how Christ emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, and being born in the likeness of many, humbled himself. And I was trying to point out how God in you know human form, right? Truly man, truly God, who had every right to be, I'm king, you should bow down and worship me, right? Yeah. And he tells us to, but he was gentle and lowly, and he was humble, and he was close to the heart of sinners and he mm-hmm. wasn't despising them he came and drew near to them and he called them to come to him and he and he had he had all the truth mm. he had all the truth and he had all the power all power was given unto him that's right and he had all the truth and he could have just sliced and diced and meleeed people with the truth. <laughs> Absolutely. And he did some of that at times, but it was more with the religious crowd. It was, and, I, and I'm glad you mentioned that because before the pastor we looked at Sunday, in the same text, Jesus is thanking the Father for the fact that he's hidden the things from the wise and understanding, but yeah. he's revealed the things to the little children. And that's the whole point, I think, is that the little children are the ones that are needy, dependent, and they have nowhere else to turn to but to cry out to Christ. Yeah. Whereas the wise and understanding are the ones that are like, listen, we have it all together. I don't need anybody. <laughs> and so I think that's where Jesus' gentle and lowly heart leans is to those who are the little children who need him and cry out to him. And yeah. just uh, It's a beautiful picture. And you think about kids. Kids are so... They they're easily they easily trust people. Absolutely, you know they they easily trust. I got grandkids mm-hmm. and I can throw them up in the air. They just assume I'm going to catch <laughs> them, you know. But the older we get, the more learned yeah. we become, and the more skeptical we become. Mm-hmm. And so when Jesus, yeah, oh, that's great. The pulling in that that the previous part of that passage, 
Uh, yeah. yeah, and it's hard, and it's hard. You're right because it's hard to have childlike faith the yeah. older you get because we, like you said, we become more learned. We we grow, and we're like, you know, maybe I need to have more of a thought out thought of this. But there really is the aspect that Christ calls us to have a childlike faith, to where we just we trust in Him. Where we have this faith of like, I you know, I don't understand everything, but I come to you. I trust you. I'm not going to think about. it. I'm yeah. just going to come to you and trust you. And that's a that's a beautiful thing. I think I remember seeing bumper stickers years ago <clears throat> that said, "Jesus said it. I believe it. That settles it." There I had go. a professor in college, though, that said, we can take out that middle one. Hmm. Jesus said it, that settles it. There we it go, doesn't right? matter if I believe it's it or a, not. It's truth whether we believe it or not. What that's Jesus so said true. is settled. It is written in stone. Yeah, and what I like about that, too, is because that's that truly is, I think, how I've been taught from a young age how, to, how faith is. Like, I've always looked at Scripture and believed everything that I saw— knowing that it's God's word and even if I don't understand it there's nothing wrong with it right. there's something wrong with my with me or my understanding I can't look to me and think that oh it's you know messed up because I don't get it yeah but what I love about the Christian faith as well is that we don't have a blind faith either we have right. things that we we have evidence we have facts we have history behind it as well so it's so rich and it's full encompassing so there is an aspect of we do have a trusting blind sense that we you know come out to Christ trusting in him fully but in the same way, too, we come and we have the truth of God's word backed up, and we have these facts that we dive into that give us reassurance. But yeah, I just I love it. It's yeah. perfect. Where where we don't have full understanding, faith steps in and fills the gap. That's perfect way and, to say it. But we try to we want to understand and we want to learn from him as much as we possibly can. Yeah. But when we've exhausted all of our ability to learn, mm. faith has to fill the gap. Yeah. And 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 so yeah, just just thinking about that. There's a few things that we talk around talk about around here around here at Charity, um, that with Jesus and us learning from him, we learned that he had Holy Spirit power. Mm -hmm. Um, He was extremely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. I don't know that we understand fully what it means to be Holy Spirit dependent. That's so true. Yeah, even for myself, that's a conviction I have. I think, um, I think, in in our context, I think seeing what I would consider at times maybe a poor view of how the Holy Spirit is approached in different kind of ministry around the world and stuff, or just in public ministry, it's almost like at times I've noticed myself pulling away from that when in fact the Holy Spirit is He, it's a person in the Trinity, just equally as, you know, God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and just, man, how how Holy Spirit dependent we need to be yeah. and how Christ modeled that perfectly, how much further I have to go to, you know, relinquish that and trust in him and fully let him lead me. And let him lead you. And the first place that we read about in scripture that the Holy Spirit led Jesus was where? To the wilderness. To the wilderness. And yeah. are we willing to be led by the Spirit to places that are uncomfortable? Mm. Into places that we would have never gone. We try to rationalize, I think, many times mm. being led by the Spirit. But if we're truly led, it's He's going to lead us into areas of discomfort, yeah, and of dependence on Him, yeah, for our own good, yeah. for us to grow and to love Him more and to mature us, to make us more like Him, to sanctify us. For another sure. another area of Jesus being that we can learn from Him is in His prayer life. Yeah, getting away, getting away from everybody, going to a desolate place and uh, praying to the Father. That is, again, another thing I think that sometimes I could admit for my own life, man, I lack the depth of a prayer life that Jesus models for us. And you see how dependent he was upon the Father, talking to the Father, getting away, making that time to do that. And 
man, such as something to learn from in Christ's life that, you know, I want to be way more prayerful, way more Holy Spirit dependent, way more like Christ and all these things. And he, I love it because all these things we're talking about, he modeled perfectly. Yeah. And so we have the perfect example to look to. It's a matter of, you know, depending on him and truly walking in this. When did he, when, when we read scripture, we find there was a time of day that he usually spent time with the father. When was it? Yeah, early morning. Early in the morning. Isn't that early mornings the best part of the day, it Jacob? Is. Yeah, I, I love it so much. That's why <laughs> it's hard to be a morning person, man. We have but, these conversations a lot around yeah, here. Yeah, we do. But yeah, he early in the morning, he would get up, go to a quiet place by himself, yeah. get away and spend time with the Father. And that, you know, that could, we could argue that is a good time to do it because he did it and found, you know, it to be great. And so strength through the day. That's right. Going. That's right. And so I think with prayer, we need to make sure that we have an appointment, appointed time that we are spending certainly do spontaneous praying all throughout the day, but, totally. but we need to carve out a time that is specific to that. Another area that we talk about on this Holy Spirit power, this little acrostic, is obedience to the kingdom agenda. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a big one. Yeah. That is a big one. Obedience is, it's a difficult thing. It's that whole, it goes back to that Holy Spirit dependence and yeah. where he leads us and how willing are we to be obedient. Yeah. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You'll obey. And that's a... Again, talking going back to the message on Sunday, I was, you know, how we at times think freedom from responsibility and commands is freedom, but in reality it's not. And in Christ's commands and obeying him, there's true joy to be found and how it's for our good, it's for our it's life giving his commands are. And so yeah, obedience to the kingdom agenda is super important. And I think not to get off track, but I think too often we've become obedient to a political agenda. Mm. And we're we're more passionate about some of our political and our social stances sure. than we are about the kingdom agenda. And the kingdom agenda for Jesus was the way that people will know that you are my disciple is by the way that you love one another. That's right. That's right. And we want to be known for what we know and what we believe, sometimes more than we want to be known for how we treat people that Jesus died for. That's right. And then you never want to put a label before your faith, right? I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus first and foremost. I'm not a right-wing Christian. I'm not a left-wing Christian. I'm not a you-feel-in-the-blank Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus, and everything else in my life comes after that. It has to be the forefront. And so you're right. It can easily become a political thing where we, you know, obedience to that becomes way more of a priority than Christ and loving Mm -hmm. others like he's commanded us to do. So it's, it's hard. And even you said something earlier, um, you talked about growing up and believing, but it was when you became that teenager, you you think you became a follower of Jesus. And you know, there's a lot of people that believe, we've got to believe in order to have salvation. Mm-hmm. But as we learn from Jesus, we should become more of a follower and an imitator, as Paul points out that you said earlier, an imitator of Christ, a follower, a true follower of him. And that's where obedience to the kingdom agenda uh, comes into play. That's right. Even the demons believe. And <laughs> so we want to believe, but also deny ourselves daily, take up our cross and follow him. And there's definitely that following that, like you said, I could see in my life, believing, un- understanding to a certain degree, but then in high school, that flip of, man, I'm following Jesus now. And then even later for me, just in the past couple of years, seeing that where I want to go, how can I follow him even more? So how can I yeah. submit my life and, you know, follow him with all of my life? Yeah. Yeah. And then the next one uh, is word centered. 
Mm. being word centered. And you mentioned back earlier when he was in the wilderness, you look at what he used to combat Satan's temptations. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He knew that and he was combating those things with God's word. And that's an example right there. Every single thing we see and we're talking about is an example that Jesus has laid out before us and God's word being central to his um, defending against attacks of the enemy, for sure. And we carry the Word of God with us all the time on our cell phones now, right? We sure do. So it's, yeah. there's no excuse for not reading the Word of God. And you That's can right. find about any translation that you want on there. That's right. So you know, many. Some are good and some are not so good. Totally. If you need some direction on that, hit Jacob up. He can tell you where to go. <laughs> but Word-centered, making sure that the Word of God is a part of your daily diet as well. Yeah. And last two things, exalting the Father. Mm. Everything that we do, we want to lift up the Father, yeah. exalt Him. That's what Jesus did. That's what He did, like I said, in the beginning of the whole passage. I thank you, Father. And they, the relationship that Christ had with the Father and depending upon Him and just exalting Him in all things is, again, a model of how we're supposed to be. And Christ was fully submitted to the Father. Their wills were not different. They were the same. And so a perfect picture of that and how we need to be the same for sure. And then the final thing is relationships. Oh, I love, I love, yeah, relational, man, relationships, so important, especially um, we talk about learning from Christ and wanting to be more like him. I think one of the main avenues that God uses are providential relationships, people in our life that, as Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. There's people in my life that imitate Christ so well, and because of them, I think, you know, I am more Christ-like, and I learn from them. And really, when I'm learning from them, because of the way they live, I'm learning from Christ. Yeah. And so it's a beautiful thing how God uses those people in our life, and that's the means by which He keeps us and grows us, and that's how we don't go astray. We have our brothers and sisters who bring us back in, and we're yeah. not going to be you know, on our own in the faith journey, which is such an encouragement. The body I love of, relationships. And the body of Christ is so important. And, mm. you know, those who— Uh, You know, through the pandemic, when we were disconnected from the body of Christ so much in the gathering, uh, I think it hurt so many people's faith. Yeah. And being able to be back together and, you know, but we value and we we do learn from those providential relationships. And and it's so important that we that we become relational as Jesus was. So, yeah, we learn from him. We learn from him through the being led by the Holy Spirit or dependent upon the Holy Spirit, prayerful dependence, obedience to the kingdom agenda, centered on the word of God, exalting the Father, and through relationships. Yeah. Anything you want to do to wrap this up? Man, no, I've just had a good time talking about this stuff. It's enjoyable, and man, what a great example we have in Christ to look at, and um, I just want to do that more and more, look to him and learn from him and grow, and I think through the providential relationships that we're talking about, man, that's a, a, a huge means by which he does that, and so like you said, the body of Christ being so important, let us not neglect to meet with yeah. one another. Let's let's meet together. Let's grow together, and and it's just a joy to do it with Good one word. another. So, thank you, Jacob. Hey, thank and this you. week we have got the illustrious Fisher Fur who's whoop, going whoop. to be on this Sunday morning. So make sure that you're here or you watch online charity church forward slash watch. Thanks for listening today, and we will talk to you later. See you later.